Beautiful family, today's episode will be mature in nature. We have Shan Boudrain on, she's a certified sexologist, and Brian and I get to discuss with her some sexual uh, content. So if that is too much for you, we ask that you uh, subscribe and make sure that you come back next week. But today's subject matter will be adult themed in nature. Welcome back everyone to Talking It Out with Mike and Brian. Very excited about today's show. Today's guest is a woman I'm very excited to talk to. She's a best-selling author and certified sexologist who has been working with the public for the past 13 years to make them more competent and confident in their intimate lives. She strives to create content that is science-based and sexy. Today, we're talking to Shan Boudram. But first, you know how we do. We got to get into our hot takes. So, Mike, take it away. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to Shan. I had I had to look at her LinkedIn, and she's so young and she's so accomplished, right? Yes. Been doing this for 13 years, like you said, and very like, knowledgeable, extremely very knowledgeable. knowledgeable. She's like Neil deGrasse Tyson meets Rihanna. <laughs> okay, I like that. I like that yeah. analogy. Super intelligent in her field, but then she, you know, she got like a little fierceness to her. I love it. I love it. Oh um, yeah, she's she's definitely gonna. I think she's gonna challenge us today. That's you know good. Saying? She's she's uh, all about intimacy, love, sex, relationships. So, you know, I actually interviewed her prior, and she's uh, she's gonna bring it strong. I'm sure. So we're gonna, have, we're, gonna, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to answer. We're gonna have to answer possibly for our uh, the male gender here. I, I, I love it, but I'll say now and when she comes on, Brian and I do not speak for every single person the male gender. <laughs> My hot take of the day came from listening to our audience. So I appreciate y'all for, you know, DMing us, writing us, uh, leaving comments and liking and subscribing. Continue to do that. This one individual, which Brian and I both appreciate, you said something to the lines of, I love you guys. I know you don't mean no harm, but stop using the goddamn word female. Right. And so, yeah. you know, Brian and I both got the DM. We both checked it. We both, you know, talked with our producers and we're like, damn, are we wrong? And I have my own take, Brian, I want to hear your take as well. But it's pretty simple. Using the word female is meant for statistics and scientific studies and, and every other thing. You should be using the word woman. It's plain and simple, that's how I feel about it. My mom taught me the golden rule. I'm sure your mother taught you the same thing, being a, a beautiful woman herself, which the golden rule is, you know, treat other people how you want to be treated. But that rule is outdated. And the reason the rule is outdated is, and I use the example I am an African-American, I am a black man, but some people that are Kimmy folk, that's, you know, I'll use that term Kimmy folk, don't like for you to call them black because my skin isn't black. Some of people don't like for you to call them African-American because they've never been to Africa. They, their parents, their family members have never been to Africa, right? And so when you tell them that, they're not gonna be mad at you for saying, hey, you know, my black friend or whatever the case may be, which is you should never say, right? But you get the point. They're going to say, hey, Brian, can you call me this instead, right? Yeah. And that's how it should be. And this is what I mean about the golden rule is out and the platinum rule is in. And what the platinum rule is, treat other people as they desire to be treated. Yep. Because we all want to be treated differently at some point in time. So for that individual that got onto Brian and I, I appreciate it. For the men and women out there that uh, don't think it's that big of a deal, cool. You know, I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to tell you how to feel. I'm just simply here to tell you uh, that's the take. That's my take. And I'll be using the word female 
when I'm describing something of statistics and or uh, science-based and women for anything else, uh, nor am I going to come down my homeboy's throat if he uses female incorrectly, partially because a lot of my homeboys are military-based and my homies, men and women both, I know use the word female. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. How do you feel about it, Brian? Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, obviously, it was a little bit of a shock to us. You know, obviously, we didn't mean any harm when we said uh, when we said the word uh, during the podcast, but, you know, sometimes you need to be checked and we were checked and at the same and at the end of the day it's somebody's request to be called a different word and those two words actually do have two different meanings like yeah. straight up like you were talking about like the female uh, word is more of that scientific word that refers to the sex of a, a species right uh, you know that's capable of producing children and the term woman refer specifically to human beings while female you know could you know it could be referred to referring to any any species right and it's very close to you know there's the 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 b word right female dog it can be degrading and i could see why you know there may be an associ a close association with with that type of a uh, uh, word there um but then i feel like it's also reducing a woman to her her reproductive ability in a sense. And it's, I, I could see why women out there see that as like dehumanizing and exclusionary. So, you know, at the end of the day, you know, are bad for using it. We do agree that the proper word is woman or women. I mean, it is true. Like we don't go around calling men males, right? So at the end of the day, it's like we call them men and we should be calling them women. And that's, that's the bottom line. So, we don't want anybody to feel, you know, inferior or show contempt to anybody. I mean, it's 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 a fair criticism, and you know, moving forward, we're going to correct that mistake and and address you the, in the proper way. I want to hear Shan's take on that too. Yeah, for sure. Um, my hot take is about Simone Biles. She's been in the news lately. Obviously, she's at the Olympics. She dropped out of the team competition as well as the individual competition in the Olympics, um, apparently due to, you know, her mental health, she's not in it mentally. And she decided to bow out rather than continue to compete and possibly, you know, hurt her team's chances of winning a medal. And I've heard a lot of takes on the subject. And one that was interesting, it was it was a couple of older gentlemen on in sports 
broadcasting and they Who were talking uh it was michael wilbon and uh on t- um, part of the interruption okay yeah yeah, yeah. You've, heard, you've you've seen that show so they're old school and i'm not so far away from their age in the sense of <laughs> you know i oh it's okay bro I, I remember the era where, you know, I know the icons of, of the games, right? Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, you know, these guys who, you know, win at all costs, the ultimate competitors, like Michael Jordan, the, the food poisoning game, food poisoning, yeah. you know, and he pretty much, you know, put it all on the line, no matter what he was going through, like he just showed up and he won, right? And that's why he is the icon that he is. That's why everybody lauds him as the GOAT. And, you know, guys like Tom Brady and, and are in that same ilk. And so they were having, like, a tough time. Like, that's kind of like what we're used to, but it's like a new day and age where, you know, these athletes and as well as other celebrities, actors, you know, people that are in the limelight are coming forward and expressing themselves and talking about a lot about their mental health and how it affects them. So, and they were, you know, they were talking about Jordan as being very courageous and, you know, he's a hero and this and that. But at the same time, on the flip side, I want to give kudos to someone like Simone Biles because yeah. how much courage does it take to actually come out and admit that? When opposed to like, you know, these other people, you know, these other athletes, you know, from back in the day, they were going through a whole lot, but they held that stuff inside. We really don't know what they were going through. But the fact that she came out and was comfortable enough in her own skin to say, hey, you know what? This is me. This is what I'm going through. Like, I'm going to be true to myself and I'm going to bow out. Like, I think that showed a tremendous amount of courage in and of itself you know, and I don't, I don't think I think some people are missing the boat on that and seeing how courageous that was. You know, what I mean, a lot of people are, are, are criticizing her like, oh, if you know, if you were the real goat, you would have stayed in the competition and you would have just fought through it. You know what I'm saying? But like she ignored all that noise and came out and actually, you know, admitted that she was going through through something. You know, what I mean, yeah. same thing with Naomi Osaka. You know, she's bowing out of these tournaments like they like these athletes at the end of the day. They don't owe us anything, right? right. I think like, that's what people forget. Like, they do not owe us anything. Like, this is their lives. They're the ones that, you know, put out the blood, sweat, and tears and practice and just kill their bodies, you know, in order to compete. And, you know, it's it's for our enjoyment, right? You know, sports is a form of entertainment. But at the end of the day, they don't owe us anything. So I just want to give her a tremendous amount of of applause respect and just say how courageous she is for doing what she did and going against the the norm um that's in such a big stage no, what do you think completely agree with you there to be succinct in regards to simone biles that's a courageous woman that is the goat uh, and that's how that's what i'll say about her in regards to her completely because it's that simple to me uh She's taking care of her first, which is what she should do. She has self-love in that regard. My other thoughts of that are a bit different, which are if I'm on Team USA in the gymnastics and she's not competing no more, obviously I'm going to respect and show her love, but the com- competitor in me is like, oh, thank God. 
you know, because you ain't beating her. Like, it's not <laughs> happening, right? It's just not happening. It's like, oh, she bowed out gracefully. I got love for you, but I have like, an opportunity now. Maybe winning that consolation medal kind yeah, that, of. That's how I look at it. I'm like, I'm like, hey, like Usain Bolt is not, you know, Serena's out, you know, Naomi Osaka's out, like Simone Bob, cool. I love you, baby. Yeah. I'm gonna show love to you. I'm gonna go win this gold medal for me right quick. And then my bigger point, which I think I see a lot of young people doing, uh, Naomi Osaka, uh, Paul Brothers, how you may feel about them, uh, Simone Biles, these TikTok stars that are blowing up, they're all teaching us and they're all showing us how closely related we really are. You and I are on the older side now. And so I think I'm still young, you know, but I talk to an 18 year old kid, they be like, <laughs> they call me sir. I'm like, bro, I'm not a sir yet. Oh, that's the sign, bro. That's yeah, the sign. Like, that's when you down. know. <laughs> yeah, so to those individuals, we're older. But when we were growing up, we would look at people on the TV screen as these unimaginable like, creatures. Like larger than life, yeah. Yes, but now they're helping us to realize this is feasible. We are all human and like that's a good thing. So I think that they're truly helping us uh, realize that everyone's just a human being. I mean, even Justin Bieber spoke about it, uh, showing his support for Simone Biles and focusing her on her mental health. And like you said, we don't, she doesn't owe us nothing but then also, we don't know what she's going through. Exactly. We don't know that's nothing the thing. what she's going through whatsoever. And that's the thing. Like, you you should never judge anybody. You know what I mean? On the surface, I know she was receiving a lot of criticism. But like you said, nobody on the outside knows everything that these athletes go through. I mean, think about it. They're flipping a million times in the air. Like, think about how many times they've fallen so practicing. Cool, it's like... That's it's scary. It is a scary sport. You know what I'm saying? So I I don't blame her whatsoever. And I love that. I mean, she's a woman. She brought she's, you know, putting a shining a light on it. But let's not forget other guys like Kevin Love and DeMar DeRozan in the NBA. You know, they've also started that conversation about mental health and whatnot. And I think for men particularly, I mean, think about it like growing up. You know, you're not supposed to cry. You got to be tough, you know, mentally tough and whatnot. And I think more and more uh, men athletes are coming out and talking about, you know, their mental health and everything they go through. And I think it's it's a conversation that needs to be had. And we need to sit down and listen to these athletes when they talk about this stuff. You know, bro, I think about when you just said, because I come from the military background and the things I did in the military, I think and my friends that I know what they did in the military, I wonder how the military is gonna, what their take is when it comes to mental health. I mean, cause there won't bro. be a time when, like if you, if you're, if you're, if your tempo band is scheduled to be deployed and you're, they're asking you to deploy and you say, yeah, my mental health isn't there. I just, I was just came back six months ago. I, I genuinely wonder how that's gonna work. No, listen, bro. Like I have the ultimate respect for, you know, for you and for everybody that serves in, in the military, because I mean, how many, like I said, you had real time experience, but you know, me watching all these war movies, I mean, how many of these people come back with PTSD? Yeah. You know what I mean? Come back with these emotional and mental scars of what they saw, of what they went through physically. I mean, there's a lot of baggage there that needs to be unraveled. So, 
you know, holding all that stuff in, it can't be healthy. No. You know what I mean? So when they come back, like, I'm sure, I don't know. I mean, maybe you know more, more to this than I do as far as programs that, you know, maybe here in the States they have for those returning service members where, you know, they actually go through that and they talk, they talk things through so that these people can express themselves and, and flush all that out. So that I'm glad you asked that. I didn't know we were going to take this path, but that's the beauty of talking. Yeah, we can talk it out, right? Uh, hit that subscribe if you haven't already. So the military does have lots of programs. They do a wonderful okay. job with the programs. I'm not going to lie about it. But here's the, here's the flip side of that. When you are um, bred, shall I say, in the military, especially from a young age, right? A young woman or a young man, 18, 21. I was 21 on... 21 when I joined, right? Yeah. Uh, 20 when I signed up. You are bred a certain way, right? Uh, you've heard people say in the NFL, uh, even Clay Harbor would maybe speak to this. They are bred to, pain is just temporary, right? They are bred to, it's, it's leaving the body. We in the military are bred that just shut up. Shut up in color. That's like the exact terminology that we're taught. Shut up in color. Not saying that that comes from leadership, but that's just the culture. And yep. so with these athletes, it really makes me think just to, to the to the military. What What is the military going to do in regards to mental health? Because we know that our soldiers are out there are dying. The number one reason for uh, death in the military is pharmaceutical drugs. A lot of those pharmaceutical drugs can't come from the way that they feel mentally and or the way that they feel physically. Yeah. And so how do we get to speak about that? Because then if you're in the military and you speak on these certain things, you may not be able to get promoted. Mm. Now, now you're messing up my money and no one likes a money mess with, right? Yeah. No, it's a, it's a very interesting subject. I mean, I don't know if maybe we could bring on somebody maybe it, like currently in the military, maybe to talk about that type of subject, because I, I would be very interested in, in, in knowing what, how we can reduce that, you know, the, the, all the medications that they're on, you know, to counteract or combat, you know, their, their mental, their mental health issues. So Shakari, uh, I forget her last name. She was kicked out from the Olympics because she had uh, utilized marijuana because her mother had just passed. And she found out from a journalist that was interviewing her. Right. That's she chose uh, marijuana to cope with this. So, yeah. I mean, that's a whole nother topic that we're talking about when it comes to mental health and and just taking care of your sanity. You are at the highest level. Shakiri is a very young woman. The highest level being interviewed and the interviewer tells you that your mother passed away. That's got to be devastating. And I mean, like, put yourself in her shoes, right? I mean, how would you like to hear from a total stranger that you're the, probably the closest person to you is gone. Yeah. Right. It's, just, it's like, <laughs> that's like gotta be the most devastating thing ever. And it's like, she took a substance that at the end of the day has no influence on her performance whatsoever. Zero, if anything, zero, if zero. anything maybe hinders it. Right. Yeah, you know what I'm like, saying? Like it, but it's definitely not going to enhance, which is like the whole point of performance enhancing drugs. And I mean, I don't know. I, I thought it was ridiculous. I thought she, they should have let her run. Um, you know, and that goes, that opens up another conversation, you know, marijuana is being legalized more and more in this country. I mean, is that something and she that- got, And she, for the record, she 
had smoked marijuana in a state that legalizes it. Exactly. But the Olympics obviously is higher than the state level. Yeah. So I guess they got final say. But I mean, yeah, it's it's a very in-depth topic that needs a lot of unpacking. And I, I would love to sit down with somebody like that's in the military just to talk about that because I mean, I don't think there's anybody that goes through the type of trauma that, that soldiers do. Since we got Shan on today, I wanna hear her take when it comes to mental health and sex and libido and how does that play a part? I can't wait to bring Shan on, man. She's a wealth of information. And I think both men and women are gonna take away gems from this episode. Uh, <laughs> definite gems from this episode that they could apply to their everyday life. So, I mean, without further ado, Let's bring on the one and only the certified celebrity sexologist, Shambhu Dram. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Obviously, Shan, you are a sexologist. So we're going to talk about sex today. You know, it might get a, it might get a little uncomfortable, but we're going to get right into it. I we actually were discussing uh, in the last couple of weeks, there was a post on Instagram that talked about what men wished women knew. Right. So it was all about, you know, these men chiming in on what they wished women knew. So I want to flip it around. All right. I want to I want to. I want to help out. Can you the, give the, me this the Sparks notes on that post though? Like, what were some of the top line things that you're like, <sighs> Mike? Max? What were they? I think it was like we like compliments too. Um, I guess okay. you know we that want, guy we never want women got to a, initiate sex as well. Yeah, like, it wasn't like milk my prostate while sucking my nipples. It wasn't no. so so it much wasn't. sexual. It wasn't so, but I want to make this sexual, right? So, can we make like a top three things? I'm just getting right into it. Can we make a top three? list of what women wished men knew when it comes to making them orgasm. Oh, great one. Okay. Um, I would say that the clitoris is the anatomical twin or homologous to the penis. So everybody develops the same up until around like 12 to 18 weeks. And at that point, the clitoris and the penis are the same thing. It's just that when you are XY, your penis goes like this. And if you are XX, um, for majority of people who are assigned female at birth, their clitoris stays underneath. So it's not that the vagina is the opposite to the penis, but the clitoris and the penis are really made up of the same tissue, the same erectile tissue. Mm -hmm. So if you want to think about women's pleasure and you find yourself feeling confused by it, don't. It's just the same parts just arranged in a different way. Uh, the clitoris is shaped like a wishbone. Your penis is shaped like a regular ass bone. Um, but don't think of them as very different things. And I think if you do that, you'll have a much easier time figuring out how to have sex with somebody and how much time you should spend on certain body parts. That's one. 
Two is because of the fact that the clitoris is separated like a wishbone, that actually means that there's a lot more uh, of an erogenous zone to the genitals. So that's why you'll hear several spots like the U spot and the G spot and the A spot. There's actually arguments that all those spots are just parts of the clitoris being stimulated at different points. And so the G spot arguably is just the bulbs of the clitoris or the legs being stimulated from the inside. And the easiest way to do that is actually to go and press towards the urethra. So it's almost in many ways, like a stimulation again of the clitoral network itself. Um, so that would be point number two, I think. And then point number three, I would say mix mix up the different points. Um, I've asked for a long time, people with vulvas, how they orgasm most frequently and their favorite orgasm. And it's usually a combination of clitoral stimulation mixed in with some form of internal stimulation, whether that be G spot or A spot. G is shallow, about two digits in the finger and towards the belly button. And A is the middle finger all the way to the edge that you possibly can go and then towards the belly button. So when you have enough clitoral stimulation to start that gets the area really erect uh, because cl the clitoral tissue gets erect just like a penis. So when that area gets erect and is engorged is really pleasurable to touch. Um, but doing those two things together, so giving somebody oral while you are stimulating on the inside is a massively huge, wonderful combination. I love all three of those. Thank <laughs> I love you all, that. I love that, love that. Uh, so a lot of people will argue uh, that's your second point in regards to uh, the, the ongoing debate of if the the clitoris is its own piece or is it, or they're all connected to the clitoris from its roots to other parts of it. I like the way you said that uh, from that, but Shan. I have actually, I went and got, um, I have a podcast coming out, which I would love to have you guys as a guest on. Absolutely. Um, so I have a podcast coming out and I actually went and met with a doctor who does enhancements for women. So she does something called the O shot and that, makes the G-spot larger. Um, and this is somebody who spends a lot of time in that region and helping women achieve more pleasure potential. And she, her belief system is that the G-spot is separate from the clitoral network um, based gotcha. on what she has seen in her own personal experience. So you are correct, Mike. I just appreciate your take on it. I, I love this topic and uh, researching it. I'm a certified sex coach myself, so I find it really interesting. Uh, but on our podcast, we always have a hot take. And today's hot take came from one of our listeners, and we would love to, you know, have your thoughts on it. We respect your opinion, so you want to hear it. Uh, and this hot take is about the word female. Mm. <laughs> Let's go this ahead actually, and get into it. <laughs> it's a real hot take at my house, so I'm, I'm fascinated oh, to hear Let's it. hear this. I want to hear your thoughts on it. Well, um, so my husband has three younger brothers, one of which, who's 22, who lives with us. And, you know, he is of the culture who refers to women in more derogatory terms. So he perceived that when he said female, he was being extremely respectful. So he was completely stunned to realize that that also was a derogatory term. Who checked him? I did. Oh, you did? Said, okay. What you mean? I did. Okay. okay. Just, I just did. making sure. What you so, mean? Put some respect so on what did you, So what did you say? Like, how did you break it down to him? Well, you know what? I would say personally, I don't... Um, I don't have a personal problem with the word, but what, from what I read on Twitter, it's that you would refer to like a female as an animal. Like it's, um, if you want to actually refer to a woman, then, you know, as, as a human, then, then use that term. Yeah, but so, I would like the uh, in-depth explanation. No, there is no in-depth explanation. It's just uh, your, your opinion, my, Brian's opinions, my opinions. My thoughts are just that female is when you refer to something scientific, 
when you refer to something from a, a medical standpoint and or when you're trying to be derogatory. Uh, but with that being said, I like to use the platinum rule, which is treat everyone how they desire to be treated in comparison to the golden rule, which is treat everyone how you desire for them to be treated, right? Treat everyone how you want to be treated. And so some women don't mind the female word and some do. I think it's all about if they tell you, then you should just abide by that. If they say, hey, I don't like you using the word female, then you should just abide by that. Uh, and there are females out there that say female. And there's women out there that say the word women. I guess because I'm trying to think about what context would somebody refer to me as a female? You might hear someone else say like, oh, there's a bunch of females at the club or I was speaking yeah. to this one female. But would someone say like, well, this female to my left, like that might feel peculiar. So you're yeah, saying like, it's the way it's it. I was, yeah, I was reading actually about it and they talk about when it's often used, it's usually imply, to imply inferiority or contempt as in like, let's say, females are the worst if a guy said that or whatnot, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But, and at the end of the day, another interesting fact that was true was that, you know, people don't go around saying males, right? Oh, these males, like you say these men, right? So I think right. the proper there term- There were some sexy males in the club last night. <laughs> sexy yeah. males, yeah, you don't, Brian, you don't hear that too often. Brian, they don't say that, they be like, these dumbass dudes. <laughs> they being stupid yes. again. <laughs> that's how they say that. Hey, sometimes that's our own fault, but hey, that's another, that's another subject. What does your brother-in-law say in regards to uh, the female word? Like he, since he thought he was being respectful. He thought he was being respectful, but I think at that point you have to get into the point that you just made. If you're going out of your way to try to be respectful, it's actually having the adverse effect. Well, then you could argue that people should perceive your intent more or you could just change the word. So I, I hope that he's on team. Just change the word. Uh, yeah. But he's been spreading the news. He actually told a couple of his friends yesterday and he reported back to me that his friends were equally as aghast by this. But I think to, it's just one of those words people should be aware that some people don't like. So don't use that as your go-to word. I think I would probably feel it out and get someone's comfort level and then use that word if I find out that they don't mind it. There we go. And there we have it from the sexologist herself. I'm, I'm not an expert on on um, <laughs> pronouns and, and, and gender studies. So that's an area that I give up to other people to really be a listener and a student. I listen, I'm just regurgitating. So this is not the official word. I, maybe we're supposed to abolish it all together. I didn't get the latest update on this. You said I haven't got the latest update on it. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm behind on the email chain. So Shan, I wanna ask you this. I wanna talk about communication in the bedroom. So, you know, we know that every single individual has their own needs and their own likes. Like what advice would you give to couples out there to basically help them communicate better so that they both get the satisfaction that they want at the end of the day. Like how, how can two people communicate best in bed? Yeah. I mean, I think first and foremost, we have to acknowledge that we could have this conversation amongst the three of us. We probably would all have different preferences. So stop looking for that catch all one size fits all golden rule. Just like I couldn't tell you how to communicate with your boss. Like there's so many different variables that would have to be communicated to me before I could give you a action, a plan action. That doesn't mean though, don't do the work. I think when people hear that there's nuance, they say, oh, well, nothing for me to do. It's the opposite. You actually have to really engage and master several different varieties and methods so that when you get to know your partner, you know which one to utilize and you're practiced and versed in that area. Not dissimilar to anything else. Like I can't say, oh, here's how to be a good cook. 
and then just teach you how to make spaghetti. If you want to be a good cook, you have to learn the principles across the board. That way, when you're in a given environment, you can cater your dish towards whoever's going to be eating it. So to be a good communicator is to put yourself in a position constantly to always want to learn, you know, to be investing in books and to be curious about other people's experiences and to start off on that, um, in that energy, I'll just ask the two of you when it comes to figuring out what one, your partner likes in the bedroom, what they don't like, and two, what you want to say you want in the bedroom, what do you find is your favorite way to communicate that? I'm, I'm all about the honesty. Like, I want to be upfront. Like back in the day when I was younger, you know, I would just try to figure it out and just, you know, if I felt that the girl was enjoying it, you know, in terms of, you know, making noise or maybe she would give me some verbal reinforcement, then I would think I was doing good. But now that I'm older, it's like, I don't want to, I don't want to guess. Like, I want to know, like, I need you to communicate with me. Like, does this feel good? Do you like this? So I can do that more and please you more. Like I'm all about at at this stage of my life, I'm married. I want to please my wife as much as possible. So I don't want to beat around the bush. Like I'm going to just straight up ask you. Let, let I the, what you, gonna go, Mike. Yeah, let the single guy bring in, <laughs> speaking into this as well. Like, okay, bro, you said I'm married. I'm not married, but I still want to please my partner that I'm with. <laughs> okay, like, so I'm what no do you say? A young buck, either. Um, like you said, I do agree. I want to please my woman, right? Like that's that's how I get to do the happy dance. At the, you know, do the happy <laughs> dance is when you please your woman, not when you get yourself off. Who cares if you got yourself off, right? And so, for me, Shan, what I do is. I pay attention to color, right? Of uh, the the labias. I pay attention mm. to different different body movements, right? I pay attention to the to breath. You know how deeper her how deeper her breaths at that moment in time. And then after session, after sex, if the timing is right, I may ask pointed questions. How do you like when I did that? Or what could I have done better in that regard? Because I feel that most of us as good people, we are programmed to deflect anything that we don't want to say that's not necessarily what that person may want to hear, right? The way to go past that is to ask pointed questions. And so I'm I'm a 10 when it comes to asking very pointed questions so that I can be better for you. And then over time, you build a relationship of complete openness and transparency that I'm not going to feel like my pride is being shot if you say something towards me that I could get better at. Yes, I love that. I think that the this or that game in the moment can also yes. be really hot. Do you like it when I do this suck? Do I li- do you like it when I do that lick? And then the person gets to pick and then you can continue to do that until you find the exact motion that they like. Because the unfortunate yeah. thing, I mean, which is a really great point is that a lot of people aren't prepared to answer that question because we haven't armed them with the language necessary to describe the sensation that they enjoy. So I love this site. It's called um, omgyes.com. And it it explains the ways that uh, women achieve orgasm. And it gives them really specific pointed terms to say, I like orbiting. I don't like direct stimulation of the clitoris. I prefer when somebody goes around it. I like surprise. I don't like a consistent um, lick, lack back and forth. I want the nerve endings to be excited about what's going to happen next. I am not that person. I like consistent. If I say I like that, don't stop doing whatever that thing is. And if you do, you just add another 20 minutes to the session. Um, so having the specific language is important. And knowing that a lot of people don't have that language, pointed questions might actually be the best case scenario. Because if you just say, what do you like in the bedroom? They may not have yeah. the words to put that into something that's going to be um, 
an actual successful action plan for you. I know. I love how you said I completely agree with you there when it comes to the terms of what vocabulary terms am I missing? Because I don't want to say this incorrectly. To piggyback off what you just said in terms of vocabulary, let's take me, for example. I'm 33 years old. One of my scare tags, I'm not going to lie about it. Brian, I'll be honest. I'll be vulnerable in this regard. <laughs> when I do get married, I am scared that me and or my partner will lose the sexual chemistry that we once had, mm-hmm. right? And or lose one of us, our libidos change, which happens to so many people. And that's why I'm saying it for myself, right? Two part question. One, when our libidos change, what vocabulary terms do I use or what games can I play? You know, to, cause that's just something that's gonna happen inevitably as a male, right? I can eat right, but I am aging. You know, it's one of the inferior qualities that we have as men in comparison to the woman. It's okay. Spectacularly, but yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I said it, okay? <laughs> I said it, Shane, okay? And then two, you know, not only the libido aspect, but if we lose, and or not necessarily lose, but the the love factor, the sexual energy factor has diminished a bit. How do you convey both of those two? This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Uh, Brian, I definitely want your input as somebody who's married. Cause I think again, you know, it differs from couple to couple, but I would say as a, across the board, the best way to cope with that fear is to lean into the fact that it's a reality. You are, it is going to change. Um, and that is just by nature of the fact like Dr. Helen Fisher, uh, who I absolutely love her work, but she says that when we first get together with somebody, we have something called passionate love. And the whole drive there is to create a bond as fast as possible. And so you get the flood of emotions, you get that like wave of lust, you get the butterflies in your stomach and that I need to have you right now. And the adrenaline rush that comes with that actually damages your tissue. If you ever think about, you know, as an athlete, it's in those moments that you're called into fight or flight where you kick into high gear. Um, and then afterwards you feel a little sore. Um, that's because like you've actually retroactively damage a part of your tissue by that, again, flood of adrenaline. So if you were in a long-term relationship where you continue to have that flood of adrenaline, you would decrease your lifespan. So it's like for your own survival that you have to get to a place where this person no longer drives you crazy just by the sight of them. So Mm. it, it has to change, but that doesn't mean it has to be worse. So if you look at it, like the changes are going to be different and A lot of um, psychologists argue that true love doesn't actually begin until you change into that more companion style of love, where you now are choosing to be attracted to that person. You're choosing your moments of connection. Um, You're not overcome by them. And I refer to this as when the roller coaster turns into a car. It's not like hands up, just let's just see what happens next. It's now there's a driver and there's a passenger and we're in this together. And sometimes you have to swap out. Sometimes your partner's in the driver's seat and they're the one guiding you towards where you want to go. But sometimes the car is on the side of the road and you guys are watching Netflix. Nobody wants to go a damn place. That's beautiful too. Um, So I feel like embracing that change and acknowledging that it exists, not being resentful or questioning the health of your relationship. If you don't continue to have those same emotions, I feel like that's what makes the transition easier and in many ways more beautiful. 
So picking up on that, like kind of what you said uh, and the whole Netflix thing, but um, as far as the communication again, like the initiation of sex, when some, like let's say one partner goes, let's face it, in today's helter-skelter world, the guy might be tired, the woman might be tired, you know, somebody's got to make the first move. Like what's the best way in your opinion is for someone to, like should they have like a, a, a signal, like a little password or something like, hey, I, I'm, I'm horny, I want to have sex, or should you just go ahead and attempt, but then like let's say you get denied, then it's like awkward. Like what, what would you say the best way is to kind of know, it's like, okay, I might not be in the mood, but if you initiate it, then I'll get in the mood. Does that make sense? I don't know if I'm yeah, holding place that question. I have the perfect question. answer to this question. Um, okay. I actually, on my website, thegameofdesire.com, I created a quiz for something I call turn on triggers and not massively dissimilar from love languages. It's an acknowledgement that in order for some people to get into the mood, um, they need for something to be prioritized. Just like love languages, in order for me to feel loved and accepted, I need for something to be prioritized in an action. And so again, when your sex drive goes from being the roller coaster to the car, and you have to be more intentional, it's important to know what that is for your partner. And also too, that can be a signal if you both know each other's. So for example, my turn on trigger is direct, like really direct language, like vulgar language or a direct compliment about my body is what's going to get me going. So my partner knows that if they want to be, if they're in that space and they want me to be in that space, they have to start speaking to me in that kind of language. I know on the flip side for him, his is environmental. He is not going to be interested in touching me if he doesn't want to sit on the bed because it looks disgusting or if the room <laughs> smells funky or if there's some like, even if he's so environmental that if the blinds are open and he feels like a neighbor could possibly see, he can't focus on the moment. So he knows if he walks into a room where the blinds are down and there's candles and I've made the bed, like it's on. And so that's my way of communicating to him. This is how I want what I want to do with you while also being mindful of what he needs to get on the same page that I'm on. Mm, I, I wonder, am I kind of like that? Because I just came from Bath and Body Works to get some smell good in the house. You're going to like, set up some candles, Mike? I, you set the yo, mood? No lie, I got... I think in my bed, my bathroom, I have about four candles. My bedroom, I have three candles, and I got the the Bath and Body Works fragrance plug-in things. You gotta be smelling good up in there. It has See, I don't care. I don't. It could be a pile of rubbish. But I be will musty have as hell. Shans, Shans a go. Yeah. If you look at me and you say some freaky shit, and we are in the <laughs> middle of a garbage dump, it's going down. Um, so that's why these things are important to know because people take for granted that what turns you on may not turn someone else on. This is really important to know because for some people, it's the cat and mouse game that turns them on. Them on. So they that's end up in a relationship. Yeah. That's what where, I'm scared of. You just you're so somebody has to know that because then if I know that yours is cat and mouse, I can't constantly be the one who's trying to uh, like paw at you, for lack of a better term. So I have yes. to allow some space for your desire to start and for your desire to be chased and for you to want to chase me. So again, if you didn't know that and you're like, well, my turn on triggers direct language for a cat and mouse person, direct language is actually probably a massive turn off. Mm. Yeah. I mean, every now and then, well, hold on, for the record, every now and then, a direct, vulgar ass comment from my girl <laughs> is a great thing, for the record. <laughs> every now and then, though, yeah, right? Because it's the part record. of the game that has to play. They got to be Correct. aware, like, 
I can't come to you seven days in a row because then you're like, make me want it. Like, yeah, like you know, come right. on, like don't just throw it. Surprise me, me every now and then. Yeah. So, yeah. Shan, like, how did you? How did you and your partner communicate? Like, when did you guys figure out what? those signals were for each other like how did that conversation when i made take him take place? the quiz brian ah uh, okay okay so that's Whoa, as easy as, it, easy as that it. i love it. i'm that annoying person you know you could talk about that mike like the the, the post-sex survey mine is printed and color-coded and <laughs> like on your fridge laminated yes like. from a range from dissatisfaction to very satisfied and yeah i i call afterwards on a telemarketing number and i make sure i get all the information i love talking about sex. Um, I love analyzing sex. And so, yeah, he has taken way more quizzes than he ever would have on his own accord. <laughs> I promise you that. I actually have two hours of quizzes, like a booklet that I put together because I'm so passionate about them. I think they're so Damn. good because again, it empowers you with language that you just don't get anywhere else. I asked uh, some of my women friends, uh, lady friends, lady friends to chime in and just like what they would want men to know, right? Like that was like my whole theme for this for this uh, podcast. And she actually said sexual hygiene. Wash your hands and brush your teeth right before so we don't have to spend money clearing a yeast infection. What can you talk to about that as far as good hygiene in the bedroom? Yeah, I mean, it's make or break. It can be a massive difference between somebody having a good sexual experience that they think about in a positive way or a good sexual experience that they're itchy from for, you know, weeks afterwards. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, there's a, the vaginal pH is, is sensitive. And uh, it, it's interesting because vaginal pH sweet spot is 3.5 to 4.5 and semen is like seven to eight. So already we're incompatible as is. And when you start adding in other bacteria, that we can't, that we can control, that's when it gets really tricky. So it already is a balancing act for many people who have, uh, whose pH can be very sensitive. So the least you could do be, to account for this is to also just bring, you know, great hygiene into the bedroom. And that goes for both people too. Like getting up and peeing after sex can be a game changer all that's around key, uh, for a lot always, of people. Yeah. Talking about that hygiene, to piggyback off Brian on that, and for the people that were listening, what Shan just said, make sure you do a pee after sex, a life changer. Yeah. <laughs> but in regards to hygiene, what are a few aphrodisiacs that can double as helping us taste better when one is to give us and perform oral sex with us? Okay. I also want the doctor input on this one. Um, so Brian, you're going to chime in on this, but I've read a lot about this because I'm randomly infamous for something called vabbing, which is using your vaginal fluids as perfume and well, how do you the, <laughs> yeah you got to go straight from the source and then apply it to all the pressure points just <laughs> like you would just straight from the source um and so you know that I've, I've read about the pineapples or cranberries and even yogurt uh or probiotic yeah i mean it to, to be honest the the best thing you probably could do is, is a suppository that mm is specifically designed for pH balance. Um, but there is no scientific proof, but also science doesn't do a great job of lending investment dollars towards sexual topics. So there's no scientific proof that pineapples or cherries uh, makes an impact. But if anecdotally, the way I look at it is whatever makes you feel like you can bust that shit open and feel hella confident hey. and use your vagina as 
perfume because you're so proud of your product, that's what you should be consuming. But other than that, it's your overall entire diet. There's nothing you can do that day or that morning. Um, what goes in your body is what comes out. So if you're concerned with what you're eating, I would just suggest being more mindful of the processed foods and processed sugars, and then looking again for more probiotic rich nutrients in your diet. I want to go back to what you said about it's not going to change that day. Don't be eating pineapple <laughs> two hours before thinking something's going to change. No, I play it. You've had Popeyes now. all week. Yeah, it's not. It you don't may, work you, like you that. may not be. <laughs> yeah, don't, a little bit more time. Uh, Shan, what you had spoke earlier about fight versus flight. And I think that that is a perfect segue into current events right now, what's happening with the Olympics and Simone Biles. Uh, how do we take mental health struggles and or depression and or anxiety and how does it affect sexual libido our partners ourselves, and what can we do about it oh absolutely i mean it's the difference for some people being able to for lack of a better term perform which i think we should actually work to change that you know erectile dysfunction um, is massively caused by feelings of stress or fight or flight i think 80 percent of erectile dysfunction is physiological which you know is something to do with with health or what's going on underneath the hood, but there is a twenty percent that has to do with with mental health or with your just your your mental processes. And a big thing that causes erectile dysfunction or in many cases causes low sex drive is stress and anxiety. Um, like the the body. I always refer, use this analogy that your body has two different operating systems, kind of like Mac or PC, they can't go at the same time. So you have the common connect system or you have the fight or flight system. And for a lot of people, their best sexual experiences happen in common connect. And when they're in fight or flight, it's like, again, you can't run PC the same time as Mac. It's almost impossible for that person to even consider um, a sexual response. Although of course there's exceptions to that because some people do get sexually aroused when they are afraid of something. Um, but for the most part, it's a massive hindrance for people to feel one good about the sex that they're having or to even want to have sex to begin with. I actually wanted to uh, talk to you about any relation that you, I know we were talking about the erectile dysfunction and you know, like performance anxiety. Where do you think porn plays a role in that? Because again, talking to one of my lady friends, she said that porn has dudes thinking that unless a woman is screaming and crying in agony like she's not enjoying it awesome. so they make mm. us pretend to be porn stars just to satisfy their misdirection hence why most women fake orgasms because instead of being natural we have to get our acting on so it's like are guys like do you feel that porn plays a role in guys like feeling that pressure it's like oh man i gotta you know perform like the stallion i saw in the porn movie and like what, what do you think about that Oh, 100%. But I also think that we have to stop talking about porn as if it's a thing, like a yeah. place that you go to, like the place on Fifth and Avenue, um, which Avenue is not a street name. But <laughs> I think because there's so many different kinds of porn now yeah. and the the market's really been blown wide open. So I think people Back need to stop term. investing so much time into, you know, you know what was happening there. <laughs> uh, mainstream porn. So porn, like anything else like sex or like dating, it's neutral. It's not good or bad. It's how somebody interacts with it that makes it good or bad. Um, it's how it impacts the relationship that makes it good or bad. What is normal when it comes to sexual, uh, when it comes to sexual desire and when it comes to one's own body? Like, is this normal? If someone says my penis looks like this and or my vulva looks like this, 
or smells like this, whatever the case may why be. Porn can be pretty badass because that's a place to go. I often tell people when they are like, I wanted to ask my partner to do X in the bedroom, but how do I do it? It's like, find a porn and send it to them and be like, I watched this video yesterday. You know, it's so <laughs> no one looks at you like who would think of that? And you're like enough people like it that they made a video out of it. It is it's already out there, baby. It's already out there. It's been out there. People have been doing it. Catch up. So I think that porn can be a really great tool for communicating desires and for letting people know like, oh my gosh, I'm not alone. Like if I am turned on by something, if someone made a full film about it, that must mean that there are others out there like me. Um, the problem though, again, is mainstream porn has uh, a duty to try to catch as much consumers as possible. And because they're not, you're not paying for the service. And so mainstream porn usually refers to free porn too. So because they don't have, uh, they have to grab the most amount of people possible. They're trying to show the same bodies over and over again that would could, would appeal to the mass consumer. And so you're not really seeing a variety of different appendages or a body types or sizes. So that doesn't really support the cause, which is again, why investing in ethical porn where there is a range um, and there is a duty to diversity that really does alleviate a lot of people's discomfort around the negative messages that porn makes that all penises look one way or all vulvas look one way or all breasts um, should be size D minimum. Uh, you know, Shan, I talked about normal earlier to now, 77% of women that watch mainstream porn prefer uh, to watch lesbian porn because of the reasons that we've talked about earlier, which are just the way that women are treated in regards to the porn act. Uh, but when you watch ethical porn, it does open up a wider array of what women may desire. So just for the other women out there, yes, that's normal. Can I give you a fun fact too? Please, uh, yes. This is anecdotal, but I've asked my lesbian <clears throat> friends and they don't watch lesbian porn because they're like, that doesn't look fun either. So a lot of lesbians that I know actually watch gay porn because they're like, that's when I'm watching porn and I know that everybody there wants to be there and wants to be having sex with men. Hmm. Interesting. That's, yeah, that's, it's that's, interesting, yeah, right? That's, so that's interesting I was said to say your porn category is not necessarily a direct reflection of what your personal sexual desires are. Um, it might be a theme that gets you off or a vibe that gets you off. It's not a copy and paste of your specific desires. I think people need to hear that because when they people stumble do. upon what your partner watches on a porn site, they might be like, I can't believe this is what you really want to do this whole time. It's like, no, I don't want to actually do these things. There's just something about this that I like. We have so many questions. I have so many questions. You did a series of different Instagram posts on different body part orgasms. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because some of them I'm like, nipple orgasm? I, yes, bro. I'm not a nipple guy myself. Like, Rachel sometimes just fucks with me and just grabs my nipples. I'm like, stop, stop. I don't like that. Like, that's just not my vibe. So that's just me, though. But some guys may like it. Women like it. I don't know. But I guess just the fact that you can get somebody to orgasm via the, the nipple, I just find that fascinating. I love it. All right, Mike, you, you have a story to tell. And no, like I'm to still listening to you. I mean, for Brian, like, there's multiple ways that one can have an orgasm. Yes, you not, yes. You nocturnal. You got anal. You got... Uh, from vaginal, you have nipple play. I mean, that's pretty much it. I mean, this I had just broken up vaginal into like different spots, so it's mm. more or less that. There, yes, I didn't have nocturnal on on my list, but um, there's clitoral, and then there's a spot, then there's G spot, 
Um, then there is anal, then there is nipplegasm, then there is blended, and then there is squirting, which technically is a mixture of G and clitoral together. So, um, yeah, so you, you hit all the, the points there. But I think, yeah, I think it's very fascinating to know. I actually was inspired to do this post because I did a video a couple years ago that was uh, women talking about how they experience orgasms. And it was seven women that I invited over to my house. And I thought we were all going to just be there to really just dive into or lean into the fact that like, hey, clitoral is the primary sexual organ. That's the go-to. That's like, that's the most pleasurable spot. Like, please like pay more attention to that. And I was surrounded by women who were all like, what about my nipples? What about my anal? What about my fingernails? Like, and they were all these multi-orgasmic people that I was like completely blown away by because like Brian, I'm, I would never be able to achieve a nipplegasm in under my current understanding of my anatomy. So it was fascinating to me to really start to listen and ask more questions and realize how many women have these multi experiences and really can achieve orgasms that are similar in power to what they would achieve clitorally. Uh, so that seven day series was just to highlight those. And each video came with a testimonial of somebody who was like, this is my orgasm. Um, so it was as much of a learning curve for me as it was, I think, for my audience. And I'm sure there's more that we have to add to the list. So many, so many more. My last question to you, Shan, we could not be a Bachelor Nation podcast without talking some Bachelor a little bit, right? So this season, we have the lovely Katie. She's sex positive. And I can't help but wonder that a bit of our audience does not like Katie because she's so sex positive. When in oh, okay. previous years, we may have had a bachelorette that um, is very godly and or presents herself very godly, right? What is your take on the current state of our country when it comes to women being outspoken in terms of their sexuality uh, whether, whomever, however their sexuality is, and just being outspoken about it. I mean, I would argue that Katie would not have even gotten this opportunity had it not been for that vibrator moment, right? So you might dislike her for that, but you wouldn't even have the opportunity to have an opinion about her on this scale unless she did that thing to begin with. On the flip side, that isn't to say that your opinion is wrong. Just like if somebody came and they were very conservative and they were waiting till marriage, somebody who is a Katie fan might find that person really boring and might find that season uninteresting. And that's okay too. So yeah. I'm not saying anybody has to have a specific opinion. You just have to appreciate that this speaks to percentage of the population who deeply resonates with her. And if it didn't, she would never have been chosen to begin with. Um, so nice. there are a lot more women, I think, than you probably would have found to your point at the season one of Bachelor, who would identify themselves as being sexually liberated, who could see themselves being the kind of person to tap somebody on the shoulder with their vibrator, um, that that feels normal to them. And that's why they wanted to amplify that kind of personality. So as much as I appreciate, maybe I don't connect with the person who is very conservative and very prudish or you know, self-proclaimed prudish, that may not be my cup of tea. I totally understand why they have a platform because they speak for many people who are like, I'm just like that. But there's a lot of, I'm just like that people for Katie. Do you think that, they, that there will be a bachelor that is outspoken in that regard? Oh, I mean, what would that look like? Uh, hell, I don't know. I'm asking you. <laughs> <laughs> like, will he come with like, I don't know. like A, a sex a toy, a doll. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They, 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 you know, somebody Listen. brought, I don't know if I told you, they, somebody sent me like a, a, sex a solo play, they brought it? no, a solo play, like glove thing. 
a solo wow. play glove thing. Yeah, it's a. I they sent it to you for what? I need more context. They sent it to me. It came to the house. It came to the crib. It's, they sent <laughs> it to the oh, a brand. Yes, a brand sent me yes. a solo play toy. Um, and I had never used a solo play toy. So I guess one way oh, that I could. They want you to you do an ad? To. They want you to do an ad, Mike? <laughs> no. You got to do it. No, but Shan, to your point, I don't know how a male bachelor would be, you know, how they would go about that. But I just wonder at times uh, within our society, would, would that have been okay? Or is it, it needs to come from a woman first? Uh, but Shan, we're going to have say a as part a final, two. Before we leave, can I just encourage both of you to check out Tenga? And they make toys specific for men. And I think men need to open up their world to toys. One, because expand your pleasure potential. And two, to normalize having toys. Like a lot of women feel uncomfortable bringing them into the bedroom, even if you say it's okay. But if you have your own, it makes everybody feel better. So Tanga, T-A-N-G-A? T-E-N-G-A. I am a firm component of... Uh, toys in a bedroom. Absolutely. I love it when my Same. lady brings I love it when my lady bring one. Hell, I bring one too, baby. Let's have some fun. Uh, <laughs> but for yourself, will you do? I mean, I ha- I like the like the, the There's couples. one called the spinner. It's called the spinner. I never and what I does that do? recommend it personally. <laughs> it spins. So you know how you <laughs> I got that. Okay. The garden. Ah, so it's uh, okay. and it, it's very it, it's very artful, uh artfully designed. You could have it on your coffee table and your mom would come over and not know what it is. So See, that's wow. the stuff that we like. Uh, Shan, so great having you on. So great having Thank you on. Thank you, Shan. Uh, we when love you get that, your podcast, we would love to be on as well. Yes, uh, please. Uh, yeah, well, matter of fact, go ahead. Yeah, let's, shout, let's shout out your visual. podcast. Yeah, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Listen, it's a long time coming, but I've been making a podcast since 2006. And uh, September of this year, it's finally coming out. It's called yes. Lovers and Friends. It's going to be on Stitcher, uh, everywhere that podcasts are available. And come on it because you love Brian and Mike, and they're going to be on it. So might as well. There you go. I, I love it. Can't wait. Can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. Until next time. Thank you. See love you, you Shan. Take care. To all of you listening out there, thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. Yes, definitely. So the gems that were dropped today with Shan is priceless. Thank you so much, Shan, for being on today. And to all of our fans, like I said from the hot take, the hot take that I gave today was from a direct uh, listener of ours. So we definitely appreciate it. We definitely listen and read everything. So make sure you continue to leave your opinions. We want to hear your stories, your insight. So of course, baby, please don't forget to like, comment, follow, message us on social at Talking About BN. That's Talking About B as in Bachelor and as a Nation on IG, Facebook, and Twitter. And as always, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, or Apple Podcasts, or baby, where you listen to right now. And don't forget, don't DM me no more, baby. You don't do that. You hit the subscribe first. Show me that it's real. Okay.